Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie Ann Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. Welcome to the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast, sponsored by the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University, where we discuss the work of different designers and design thinking practices. Hi, my name is Michaeline Engelmeyer, and I'm a first year graduate student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition program here at Tulane. I'm a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center, and I'm here today with co-host Natalie. Natalie, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health and Maternal and Child Health program here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine, and I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. So today we're going to be listening on the interview for Michael Lee Poy, who is an Afro-Caribbean artist, activist, and architect in Trinidad and Tobago. His practice and interests center on post-colonial Caribbean design and fabrication in the festival arts, especially carnival. A graduate of Pratt Institute of Technology and Architecture and the Yale Graduate School of the Architecture and Environmental Design, Michael aims to use an interdisciplinary approach to augment the innovative, creative, and collaborative process of design. Michael is an assistant professor of design at Ontario College of Design University in the Environmental and Industrial Design programs. This interview was originally recorded in fall 2019. Natalie and I are here today to hear what Michael has to say about his approach to design thinking. After the recording, we'll be here to discuss our thoughts, what we learned, and hopefully spark some thoughtful discussion for our listeners. Let's take a listen. Uh, first, I'm an architect. So the sort of this idea of design thinking, I think arrived around 2000 or so. And I was, um, I started my education in 80, architectural education about 84 or something like that. So this design thinking is a part of the architectural process. Um, and, and so I've in many ways sort of adopted this um, process really to teach, right? To help teach non, um, uh, non-educated, non-design educated people. Right. Because once once yes, once you're taught in it, you kind of know it's a way of thinking and it's really hard to explain um, uh, and to go through that process. But design thinking as a process is wonderful. Right. And it's a wonderful way of showing uh, showing people, you know, this relentless sort of um, testing in a way to find uh, not necessarily an answer, but the question to a potentially good answer. Uh, you know where you want to go, you, you know, right? You know what the problem you want to solve, but how do you get there, right? And it's, and it's never a direct line. I mean, in the architectural construction process, 
you know, we organize things in a very linear uh, fashion, but you know, it never, you know, what is it? Um, if, if something goes wrong, it will, right? In, in construction and yeah, at, at least in construction. And that has a lot to do with design. So for, for me, it's arriving at a, a shelter, a type of shelter for, uh, for a client or a business, right? That's, that's my sort of end goal as an architect. But a lot of times it doesn't get there, right? We start a concept, they run out of money, <laughs> you know, or, or no, and some materials aren't available, you have to change it. So this process is ongoing for at least six months to years in order to get to that uh, structure or shelter. That's, that's for architecture, right? And we have a lot of people to deal with, electricians, plumbers, um, you know, the whole slew of them. Um, and then you have this, you know, this wonderful system or process that organizes it for everybody. And as long as you go through that process, I think it's, you know, you arrive at some sort of solution. So let me see. Next year is the University of West Indies, I think, 70th anniversary. That was you or me? That was me. <laughs> okay. Um, 70th anniversary and some of the um, the professors who have been meeting every few months or years on sort of establishing a museum, uh, a local museum for the campus, um, reached out to me last year and said, you know, how do we, how do we show what we have, material culture, um, um, get funding, get support from the principal, um and and celebrate the 70th anniversary um and and it was tricky because uh they tried to involve uh many of the departments and in the end they realized well you know we're in our session there's really no money so we need to cut to the chase and it really just became very small uh, and edited out because of finance right um it made my job a lot bit more difficult because I had to meet with them more and really get to the point of what they wanted and what they had, the resources they had in order to achieve their goal. I also proposed different ways of fundraising, using social media to raise awareness, things like that. Uh, but that's not necessarily, wasn't necessarily my, my brief or my job, right? They want, they want a museum an exhibit space to show their stuff, right? So, um, so in the design thinking process is really, okay, figuring out for a client like that, you know, what, what do you really want, right? And it's not until they ask themselves, like I said, well, what's your budget? And they said, well, we have no budget, <laughs> you know? And then you can't really do anything, right? You're asking for, you know, miracles. And then I went through the whole process of, well, uh, and these are academics, right? Mm -hmm. So they have no clue about marketing, social media, <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah, they've written books, all of that. They, you know, they've now sort of been introduced to emails and things like that. And that's not cool. really saying anything, yeah, about, you know, uh, um, the, you know, the West Indies or this being a third world. It's just, it's just slower, right? Innovation here is much slower. So talking to them about social media and having a campaign to try and make a, you know, they weren't going to do it. So then, you know, who would have done it? They need to hire somebody to do that. Again, no budget, no, you know, they can't do these things. So, right, but my experiences are not like somebody who went to high school here, 
and and for people here that defines your friendship your community your resources etc right mm -hmm. i haven't seen my high school buddies in 30 years you know or or whatever i used to live in new york i lived 13 years in new york um the people i went to school with there i think are the ones that maybe uh, know me the best perhaps um and I connect with, right? Because that's where I kind of grew up and became a young, a young adult, maybe. Um, so how does these multiple sort of, um, how should I say, um, these places that I've lived for at least more of a decade than in each affected me? Um, and, and I guess it helps me sort of, uh, when I have a client or a challenge, um, really get through the the riffraff of not riffraff the noise and really ask the question because in, because of my experience you know it's not it's not about being american or canadian or trinidad like what you know what's what's the universal problem here you know is it love is it finance is it you know things like that um so for me i think that's how it affects me um so i could come into something tabula rasa and say you know uh, let's look from many perspectives not just one um, that's me how does it affect my design thinking um I, I think being an architect more importantly because once you're um i think educated uh and it's a long education to go through um five years minimum and you stay with it and you go through the process of designing and building buildings and or uh, anything, you know, whether it's an exhibit or making furniture, um, it, it's ingrained in you, right? So I don't think of it as design thinking. It's just, you know, thinking for me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you, how do you solve a problem um, at this sort of minutia level, like as a parent, you know, when you have to pick up and drop off kids and things like that, how can you be in two places at the same time, right? And then that's me, just means, you know, you use your resources, call people up to see if they can help, and, you know, and, and you solve that problem. Um, so it, it's, it's just thinking for me, I think. Um, so for me, I've seen the, the, uh, the most difficult part, which is the prototyping, the testing, right? Yeah. And and most people don't get to that point in the design thinking process, right? In, in actuality, if you're making something to get to the prototype um, stage. And for us or a practitioner, you've seen it and you've seen where prototyping or testing really helps the final, um, the final solution or product. Um, I actually Google this question because um, I don't know any other <laughs> <laughs> solution-based <laughs> processes, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I had to think about, about that. Um, and again, it's not design thinking for me. It's just architectural thinking, architectural. you know? So, yeah, so the, think the, the process of what they called it, right, or what they marketed it as or branded it as, again, is a wonderful process for everybody to tap into to, you know, to solve a problem. Right, um, and to also find the question that will yield the best solution, yeah. Because sometimes you go down the rabbit hole, <laughs> you know, 
and it just and you're just going the wrong wrong way you know um so for me again uh, uh whether it's producing a product a building or a concept right and uh it's i i know the end results on a different level so i i think maybe i'm just more uh, i wouldn't say qualified more more experienced mm-hmm. yeah to 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 guess um to help somebody i think mm-hmm. uh at least let's say i'm doing a house for somebody it's a conversation of um of um what what their you know what their dream is right and i start what i actually start doing is changing the language right so instead of you know um how many bathrooms do you want it's more you know a bathroom is a place of 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 cleansing right so we sort of um evoke something else um which would then tell me something about you know their daily schedule um and that would yield to other stories and maybe colors and things like that so that in that sense it's a you know maybe that's it that's the empathy right that's the conversation but i you know i don't explain it to them like that at all uh it's it's a bit too academic at, at that level <laughs> i do agree <laughs> <laughs> it is now you know i i'm not going to introduce myself and say now i have to empathize with your story and you know we've come there we design no that's you know it doesn't work like that but for students um again it's a great system um and and the challenge is i think for anybody is just you need to keep doing it right just like, over and over and over and record it uh for yourself and understand uh, understand it as a scientific process mm-hmm. and once you see you create your data then you'll see okay this happened you know a year and a half ago and what did i come away with you know um that i could use here and reference it and things like that and and it just creates a you know a bank of of wisdom and knowledge um uh, for for anyone to to use and and to create you know to solve problems yeah for yourself and also teach it the design education level is lower here of course um there's just much less designers and or architects um here um in new york so the the level of discourse is uh, uh changed i wouldn't say raised but changed um in new york and in canada um but my years here in trinidad have have sort of edified certain uh, ideas about my caribbeanness um that i would then uh use um in 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 new york or canada as a means to uh differentiate myself from other people right who don't have the same education or experience yeah so i would be i would be selling my trinidadianness to the new yorkers <laughs> and canadians and and it's always been for me a little bit of of cha- challenging the canon i think the canon you know the the western canon of like you said white male um and 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 especially now um um you know the discourse has changed decolonizing you know uh, design is 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 critical especially for uh places like trinidad you know how do you look at your in, indigenous systems or processes in order to uh use them and and perhaps learn from them and and try and make the place better right there's a reason they've 
they happened in a certain place and why they've survived. Um, so uh, why not use them? Empathy is, is critical in order for, um, in order for the, in order for, in order to um, deconstruct, uh, fi find out what the problem is and or the question, right? Uh, like I said, going down the rabbit's hole, uh, you can, you know, you might think you know what the problem is and then you, you know, scratch the surface a little bit and then you're opened up to something completely different, <laughs> right? And, and the solution might not, will definitely not be the same, right? So empathy is, is critically important, um, especially in my instance, if I have a client that wants, a, you know, wants their dream home, right? I have to ask, you know, the dreamy questions, but you know, what what is it what do you want this to be right and 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 that in that is you know a lifetime or multiple lifetimes of stories about your grandmother about your <laughs> uncle and, da, 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 and i remember this happened and i want you know i want that reflected in this part of the house or something you know whatever it is it's just in order for for at least for me to you know, deconstruct or or get to the point, you really have to empathize, and it happens over a long period of time. Asking a direct question might not get you what you want, so you have to kind of meander, and you know, sometimes ask a hard question or ask a soft question, you know, whatever it is, and it's really a bedside manner, right? Um, yeah. I mean, we we understand what colonialism colonialism is and and was and that whole process um, that we still you know uh, are suffering through. I mean, globally, absolutely, um, and it'll it'll take the same amount of time or longer for it to fix itself. You know, that's that's my formula, right? So if you're in a relationship for five years, it's going to take you five years. <laughs> to get your head out of it, right, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. That's so true. 400 years of, you know, colonialism will take another 400. Um, but in design, it's also the process by which um, the sort of supported colonialism is, is evidenced in all of our, you know, educational system and, and um, uh, environment. So how do you question that? How do you say, you know, how do you look at that system and say, well, you know, might not be right. Let's look at, um, uh, if not indigenous or um, the people that you're working with and how they solve certain problems. They might not even know themselves, right? We're all, we're all products of colonialism and, and they might not be able to, you know, answer your questions because they might not know, but at least we can investigate, right? Because a lot of stories and narratives have been buried because of colonialism. Absolutely, we know that. And how how do you you know how do you get them back? How do you how do you um, design anthropology? How do you find an indigenous um, site with no evidence of you know living right? And and in Trinidad and Tobago, I was talking to one of um, one of the members, and they say, well, certain trees were planted in communities to support that community. So even though there's no um, actual evidence, there's, there could be a cluster of certain fruit trees that will say, oh, maybe somebody lived here 150 years ago or something like that. 
Mm -hmm. uh, my first sort of recommendation is get on the, um, the de design PhD list, right? So they, you'll get emails a bunch every day about um, um, design anything, right? Design in medicine, me medical systems, and across the board, you'll see how design um, has influenced or potentially influences uh, just about any way of thinking, yeah? in every facet so um, not only is it a good site for uh, potential conferences but jobs yeah. and and uh, just to see the vastness of of what's out there and you'll you'll be you'll be you know you'll honestly be surprised um, design thinking and finance design thinking you know in ai and all of this stuff and it really broadens your mind sitting down in a room with a bunch of people they're not you know preferably from different areas and, and figuring out what it is. And that, and that process uh, for urban design and architecture and community development, right? You have to go to the people. They think they need more lighting on the streets. That could be it, right? Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, it could be also more trees, more planting, more, um, you know, signage and things like that. And it's only through the conversation that you figure out, oh, what their wish list is what they think the problem is, that kind of thing. And it just happens over and over and over again. And as long as you're patient, patience. Patience. You've got <laughs> patience. patience. That's very important. Patience. Yeah, so absolutely. Thank you all so much for listening along with us. Now we're just going to talk a little bit about our takeaways from the interview. So Natalie, what do you feel like you learned about uh, design, design thinking, and social innovation from listening to Michael's interview? Yeah, uh, Michael talked about just doing the design process over and over again, like how STEM does with the scientific method. Um, and that can be extremely helpful because it can give you a bank of knowledge to draw from as you move forward using the design process for different projects. And I think this is an interesting way to look at design. I feel like sometimes uh, we hesitated to keep doing the same process or to keep trying over and over again, especially when we don't get the solution we want. But the design process isn't linear and it offers up so many ways to go about problem solving. So even though you may be going through the process multiple times, you don't have to go about it the same way. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I really liked how Michael describes design thinking as a series of testing and tests, not necessarily to find the answer, but to find the question. So we know the problem we want to solve, but how do we get there? Um, and this attitude to helping to teach non-design educated folks how to find their way, even if it's not a straightforward path, was just really interesting and um, kind of inspiring to hear about. Yeah. Um, so both of us are not formal designers. What advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods? Uh, I think a big theme was that you have to work with what you have, um, both what you have as the designer and what your client also has. Um, you have to work within certain budgets, the availability of certain materials, and work within the physical space that you have. And as future public health professionals, I feel like that's really inspiring because um, it can maybe feel a bit discouraging and we can get so caught up in thinking, if only we had more funding or if only more people were interested in this health topic. But if we could see things through the eyes of a designer, we would see that working with what we have is our job. And from that, we can pretty much make magic happen. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Michael. 
Um, the piece of advice I took away is one that we always need to remember to have, which is empathy. Empathy can help you to really understand who, are you, who you are working with and what their problem is or what they want designed, which will lead you to a more impactful solution or outcome at the end. And I feel like we always need these reminders when we're using design methods uh, to be empathetic. I mean, to actively listen and learn from people because the people who you are working with or working for have their own knowledges, expertise, and experiences that should always be listened to and that we should always be learning from. Yeah, I feel like empathy is such an important resource that um, I'm glad you touched on that. Um, was there anything that Michael said in this interview that surprised you or maybe that um, inspired you? Yeah, um, because Michael is an architect, design thinking that, that to him that he talked about is just thinking. And I found this surprising also, as well as him talking about design thinking, like that this type of process is being branded now. And I think that's an interesting take on what design thinking is. And I think it also shows that another person who sees design thinking as something that is not specific to any type of design training or to the field of design. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing that you picked up on. Um, I feel like what he was saying was that as a designer, sometimes you have to be the one to introduce someone to the idea of what they need. Um, they might not always necessarily be able to tell you right away. And that was really interesting to hear because designers aren't just the creative types who generate the solutions. They have to be people people who can troubleshoot challenges such as clients not having a budget. Um, so I thought that was a, a fresh take on um, what it really means to be a designer. Yeah. Uh, was there anything you wanted to learn more about? If you could ask uh, Michael another question, what would it be? Well, I'm always interested in hearing just more about people's upbringing and their journeys and how their early life experiences have kind of led them to their chosen career paths. So I think that would have been really interesting to hear more about um, Michael's background from kind of that lens, seeing where he is now and then the journey that's led him here. What about you? Yeah, I would have really liked to hear more about Michael's work with design and decolonization. Uh, he talked a little bit about what is the design theme in Trinidad and the effects of colonization. But I wonder if he is personally doing any work or collaborating with others who are using design to focus on decolonization in the region. But what do you think, listener? Please feel free to check out our website and let us know what you thought about the episode in the comments. In the audience. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 SICE 3010 class, Levante Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.